0: Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. little boy was being tucked in one night, a little six-year-old boy, and his dad tapped him on the chest and said, do you know what you have in there? little six-year-old boy puzzled, looked at him and he said, my gut's? He said, no, son, you have a piece of God, his dad said. The boy was silent. Then he said, God is in my guts. (laughs) His dad said, no, we all have a piece of God inside of us. We're created by him. It's a God's gift to us all. Then the little boy smiled and tapped his dad on the chest and said, so you have a piece of God in your guts too, dad. They laughed. Then they talked about family, and the little boy said, does mom have a piece of God in her? Yes. Does my older brother Matt have a piece of God in him? Yes. And then dad knew that Chris's mind was working. And so he remembered that he went to school. He went to a little daycare center and had a little girl there named Mary who was spoiled rotten. And she made people around her feel very miserable. Nobody really liked Mary. So dad said, you know, even Mary, Chris, has a piece of God in her. And little Chris looked stunned and then he emphatically said, no, 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 not Mary. No, no. When dad insisted, Chris said, dad, I have been with her more than you. And she doesn't have a piece of God in her life. And Robert insisted, God never missed anyone. Everyone has a piece of God in them. Then Chris thought about it for a while. Then he said, well, her piece must be all covered up with junk. (laughs) I'm going to speak today on getting rid of the junk. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know, you got some of that. <laughs> Nobody's perfect except one. This is the day we celebrate baptism. Let's celebrate some baptisms right now. Amen. <clears throat> pastor was teaching a membership class one time explaining how the church and why the church immersed in water baptism and then he asked does anyone know how the Quakers baptized and a young man responded with oats (laughs) Jesus said this Jesus said this in Mark chapter 16 was part of the great commission just like Matthew 28 19 and 20 was he said he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved and he that believeth not I hate to use it, but Jesus said it shall be damned. There's something about believing and being baptized. You never come to God without faith. For without faith, it's impossible to please God. I love the story about the machinist in in Ford Motor Company in Detroit who had over a period of years borrowed a lot of tools and parts from the company and had not bothered to bring them back. And while the practice was not condoned by Henry Ford's company, it was more or less accepted by management and nothing was ever done about it. So the machinist, one night, however, walked into a church, felt the presence of God, had a turnaround in his life, repented of his sins, was water baptized, and the Holy Ghost came down on him. And the next morning, after realizing that he had received something great from God, took it seriously, and he returned all of his tools and all the parts that he had ever stolen or taken from the company back to the company. And he explained the situation to the foreman and added he never really meant to steal them. He would sure love to be forgiven. And the foreman was so astonished, this just doesn't happen, that he, he was so impressed by his action, he cabled Mr. Henry Ford himself, who was visiting a European plant, and explained the entire event in detail. Immediately Ford cabled back. I love this. He said... Mr. Foreman, dam up the Detroit River and baptize the entire city. <laughs> we need some people to get a hold of what got a hold of that man. I truly, I truly hope that every Christian takes his or her baptism that seriously. I really do. Because we're all filled, folks, with junk. We really are. And thankfully, God provided a plan whereby we can be cleansed. Amen. The only person who ever lived, escaped being covered with this junk, was a man named Jesus. He was born of a virgin, a woman who had never known man. His heavenly father was the dad in the, in the equation, not Joseph, an earthly father. And so he was it conceived of of the Holy Ghost. And when Mary gave him birth, he was the only one who had never known sin. He was sinless. He was guileless. There was nothing in him. He said, Satan is in this world and he has nothing in me. He was a man that was able to look at everything with the right kind of eye because he was perfect in all that he was. And I appreciate the fact that we have that kind of Jesus to preach about today. But one day he was walking walking along the corridor of the Jordan River and John the Baptist who was baptizing people saw him and he looked up and he said, behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. And Jesus walked right into the Jordan River and walked up to John and said, I must needs be baptized by you. And John said, no, 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 no. I'm the lesser, you're the greater. I must be baptized by you. But Jesus said, no, to fulfill all scripture, I must be baptized by you. And Jesus was baptized that day. He was baptized by John in the middle of the Jordan River. Now, that picture don't depict, but it sure makes John look like what I thought he looked like. It looked like he looked like a wild man. He had on some toe sack there, he had camel skin on, he had the wild hair, he ate locusts and wild honey. And when he came, he came barking about Jesus and he presented Jesus Christ. See, the Jews, though, practiced baptism before John the Baptist, but their baptism was more ceremonial. It had little to do with repentance or confession of sins. The Jews baptized clothing, they baptized utensils, they baptized articles of furniture. These were ceremonially cleaned, and and they were, in a sense, baptized. But Jesus' baptism occurred in the Feast of Weeks, a.k.a. the Feast of Pentecost. It's a seven-week period between the time of the crucifixion, or Passover, and the time of the giving of the law at Sinai. And a time when many believers would be surrounding the city of Jerusalem, and many visitors would be coming with curiousness and wondering what was going on in the city of Jerusalem. In fact, they came for the first bread made from the new harvest of spring grain. See, see folks, there's seven, there seven spiritual feasts every year, but only three, only three are mandatory and four are optional. And the mandatory ones are Passover. You must come for Passover. The second is Pentecost. You must come for Pentecost. And the third is the Feast of Tabernacles. And it speaks of the repentant heart. It speaks of a heart that takes the lamb into his life. And it speaks of a heart that lets the lamb live in his life in Pentecost. And it speaks of the heart that worships the lamb that is in his heart and in his life at Tabernacle. Because Tabernacle is a time of, of thanksgiving. But the other four were offering. It was a perfect time for so many people to witness the baptism. And it was also a perfect time for John the Baptist to establish himself, folks, as a force to be reckoned with. In the kingdom of God. And I think John. I think John kind of enjoyed being there that day. I think he really did. It was his highlight. In fact Jesus when John was in prison 18 months later. And sent two disciples to ask him. Are you he that should come or do we look for another. And I think think John heard when they came back. Because Jesus healed the sick. And opened the blind eyes. And unstopped the deaf ears. And preached to the people all day. And then he said oh by the way. Y'all are still here aren't you. Go tell John, blessed is the man that's not offended in me. In other words, blessed is the man that don't get upset on what time I run my business on. Because I'm the Lord and I'm going to take care of my business when I take care of my business. And folks, he's still taking care of his business today. And then he said, oh, by the way, and tell him, never was a man born of woman ever greater than John the Baptist. But when they were gone, he said, but the least in the kingdom is greater than John the Baptist. You know why? Because we have learned to worship not John the Baptist, but Jesus Christ. Amen. And we honor him today. Clap your hands and rejoice. So there was something about John the Baptist, though more unique than even his diet or his wardrobe. It was his humility and it was his integrity. For John in verse 16 of Luke 3 said, I baptize you with water. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, the latchet of whose shoes I'm unworthy, I'm not worthy to loose. In those days, rabbis had disciples, you got to get this, who performed all sorts of menial tasks for them, with one exception. The one exception, they never had to remove the sandals from the rabbis' feet. For in those days, sewers were unknown of, and the waste products of humans and animals filled the streets. And it was unthinkable that anyone would handle your sandals after a day spent walking about in such conditions. But John said that the one who was coming was so great that John was unfit to perform even this lowly task for the Messiah. See, people everywhere love authenticity, folks. And Israel had been without an authentic voice for about 400 years, a prophet And they wanted to worship John and follow him who was authentic. However, he deflected all of the glory from himself unto Jesus, insisting that he was unworthy to even be a forerunner to him. For John knew his place in the scheme of things. Even more important, he knew Jesus' place in the scheme of things. And I want to preach now, if you don't mind, setting up a background. I want to preach from that backdrop. We see who Jesus is. The first thing we learn is we see who Jesus is. In Matthew chapter 3, you've got to understand. Jesus walked into that water sinless. Did you hear me? Sinless. He had never known sin. We have always preached, preached baptism for the remission of sin. For taking care of your past situations. But that day, Jesus had no past except the glory of Almighty God dwelling in him. He was sinless. There was nothing to wash away. But he came as a symbol. He came as an honorary symbol of what we should do in our life. For if Jesus, a man who knew no sin, would be water baptized, who am I to stand here knowing that I was born in sin? And shaping in iniquity and the Adamic nature is in my life plus the sins that I've committed. I need to be washed in the power of the blood of the lamb in my life. Amen. I need that in my life. So when Jesus was baptized, oh, I'm fixing to preach here in just a minute. When he was baptized, I don't mean to threaten you. I don't mean to threaten you. I'm not threatening you. But boy, I feel good about this. When he was baptized, three things happened. In Matthew 3, number one, the heavens opened. Everybody say the heavens opened. (laughs) Number two, the spirit as of a dove came down and lit on him and set up on him. And number three, a voice is heard. Three things, heaven opens, the spirit descends as a dove and lights on him, and a voice is heard. And the voice said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. When I read that years ago as a boy, I realized that baptism was not just a man thing. It was not just a works that we do. It's a preparatory time. It's a time when heaven says, I'm going to open up for you. It's a time when heaven says, I'm going to let my spirit descend down on you. And it's a time when heaven says, I'm going to speak to you in the most audible way. Because you see, these words were similar to words found in Psalms chapter 2 and verse 7. I want you to look at this. David said when he was anointed king, David said, he said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Hallelujah. So when a man became king, the Lord would speak to that king of Israel And say you are my son. And today I have begotten you. So the words that came from heaven to Jesus Christ. Also come to everyone that parts the waters of baptism. On this Sunday morning at Christian Life Church. Their words used toward not peasant people. But a king when he came into power. Oh, I want to tell you something. You may not realize it just yet, but you didn't go down a dry center and come up a wet center. You went down a man needing washed in the power of the blood of the lamb. And when you came out, the word came to you that said, Now that you have become a king in this world, my son, I have begotten you. What I want to tell you is simply this is that the things that used to stumble you and make you fall and make you say oh God how can I get through that all of a sudden you're going to realize I've been changed by the waters of baptism and I'm no longer just a man walking on my own I'm a person with power in my life I am a king God has anointed me His voice is with me today Hallelujah And the second thing is this, according to the code of Hammurabi, which is the second oldest law in Babylon, there are also words one would use to legally adopt a child. You are my son. Today, I have begotten you. Now, we are all children of God. Say, I'm a a children of God. But when you get water baptized, You become a son of God. He calls you his kid. You belong to him. And not only do you belong to him, you have power with him. No, it's not just a man in a cool white jacket up there baptizing somebody. It's not just a work that we do. There is something that happens on the other side. The Bible said, all of heaven rejoices over one sinner that repents. Can you imagine what happened today? Heaven was having a recess and God was saying, calm down, boys, calm down. And they said, Lord, they're being identified with you today. They're becoming kings in the kingdom. You're adopting them today. An adoption process has going on and they're a part of us and they're not going to be away from us any longer because now they're washed and they're sanctified and they're justified by the power of the Lord and the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. Wow. That's exciting to me. That's exciting to me. Amen. Baptism by water and spirit marked the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Let's consider for a moment Jesus Christ's identity and what it means to us. I want to, I want to read a story. I, I found this story. I, I'm a pretty avid reader. I saw a girl Wednesday night reading out in the foyer, and I said, what you reading? She told me, and I said, you know how I read books now? She said, how? Hey. I said, i read the cleft note version because I don't have time, but I like to get the meaty stuff. And I said, now, I know I couldn't pass the test reading the Odyssey in the cleft note version. She said, yeah, that's true. She said, I, I did that, and I flunked the test. But I, I, I just want to get enough out of it to understand. I want to milk I want to milk the book. And I, and, and I saw this and I read this. A young husband was with crippling terminal neurological disease. His wife is carrying a baby, which is unfortunate. Young man may never live to see. So he writes. He writes like he's writing to a little boy, to his unborn child, to say something very important that is on his heart. Now you've got to listen because as I read these words, I'm going to read them. They're very beautiful, but remember, he's writing to an unborn child. He says this, your mother, son, is very special. Few men know what it's like to receive appreciation for taking their wives out to dinner when it entails what it does for us. It means that she has to dress me and shave me and brush my teeth and comb my hair and wheel me out of the house and down the steps and open the garage and put me in the car and take the pedals off the chair and stand me up and set me in the seat of the car and twist me around so I can be comfortable and fold the wheelchair and put it in the car and go around to the other side of the car and start it up and back it out and get out of the car and pull the garage door down and get back in the car and drive off to the restaurant. And then it starts all over again. She gets out of the car, unfolds the wheelchair, opens the door, spins me around, stands me up, seats me in the wheelchair, pushes the pedals out, closes and locks the car, wheels me into the restaurant, takes the pedals off the wheelchair so I won't be uncomfortable. And then when she pays the bill, she pushes me in a wheelchair out to the car again and repeats the same routine. And when it's over and finished with real warmth, she'll say, Honey, thank you for taking me out to dinner tonight. And then he writes, I never quite know what to answer. If you've ever been the target of unconditional love, you know that young man's predicament. If you ever get a grasp of all Jesus has done on your behalf, you understand the uncertainty of this young man with his tragic neurological disease. You simply many times do not know what to say. There's a lot of people that feel worthless today. Now you gotta you gotta hear this pastor right now. They feel so worthless today. You know why? Because they've given away love. They've given away love. Some kind of Wrong love and some right love, but they've just kept giving and giving and giving and saying, I've given it away all my life and I still feel worthless. Here's the reason. You never grow until you learn how to receive love. And some of you are sitting here today and you've never received, really received the love of Jesus Christ in your heart and life. And you've got to turn that around. There's people in leadership that feel down all the time. Why are you so down? Why are you so forlorn? You're a king's son. Why are you so down? Because I give and give and give and never get anything back. You've got to learn to receive it. And I'm telling you, there's somebody I'm preaching about today named Jesus who will give you love unconditionally. He'll bless you beautifully. He'll give you mercies every morning. Every time I get up in the morning, I clap my hands because my my mercies are new every day. And the lines that he has given to me have fallen in pleasant places. And I'm rejoicing in the fact that his grace is sufficient. Every morning I get up. I know I make mistakes. I know I tread wrongly sometimes. I know I don't think right sometimes. But it's so good to get up every morning and understand that somebody (laughs) in this world loves me. Unconditionally. 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 See, he wasn't simply a good teacher who gave us insightful lessons about life. He's the lamb slain from the foundation of the earth. He's the cornerstone that was rejected. He's the lily of the valley crushed under the heel of humanity's sin. That's who he was. And because he left his throne and entered the valley of suffering and pain, our valley, he knows our hurts. He knows our disappointments. He knows our fears. He knows our frustrations. And he knows where you are right now. There was a sweet lady in the altar in the first service that was weeping her heart out. I know why she was. She has lost a loved one in her life. And it's tough. That's tough. And she's crying and they're going to have the funeral, the the memorial in a few days and she was crying, and I told her to come see me, and she said she would. But then I looked at her and I said, Do you know? Let me tell you something before you leave. Do you know that there's somebody that loves you, no matter where you are or what you've done? Do you know that? She said, I think I do. I said, No, don't think it. Know it. Jesus loves you. I read an interesting story of a 64 year old mother who had a unique library, her bookcase was separated into three sections. The first rack contains books on psychology and theology and many thick textbooks books were there with mile long words. The second rack was stocked with medical textbooks and journals with a special focus on genetics and medicine on this rack and the third rack was equipped with multiple issues of heavy equipment digest. Contrast? I think so. Visitors to her home might say she's a woman of diverse interests but her sons however know that she's a devoted mother. So you see, the first son is a Christian counselor, hence the books on psychology and theology. And the second son is a doctor, active in cancer research. That's the reason for medical textbooks and journals. And there's a son, the third son, that works in the fields, thus a subscription to Heavy Equipment Digest. It is important to her to know about Freud and DNA and bulldozers. No, no, it's not important. Probably not, but it's more important for her sons to know that they're all loved. Whether you're a psychologist, whether you're a doctor, or whether you work in the field, there's somebody that loves you today, and that is Jesus Christ. Let me, let me hurry. Let me hurry. Clap your hands. That's all right. Let me hurry. Let me hurry. At Jesus' baptism, we're induced to Jesus as the Son of God with whom the Father is well pleased. And Jesus was baptized to show us who he is and to show us how God, how much he loves us. But just as Jesus' baptism sealed his identity, our baptism seals our identity. See, it's not just an effort in works. It's not just a show off that we've baptized 25 and probably baptized 25 or 30 more in the next service. It's not about that. What it's about is the fact that we are identified with Christ, with Christ in baptism. I remember when I was just a little old kid, I hated to take baths. I hated it. I hated baths. I'd rather run all day and go to bed sweaty as to come in and have to go in the bathtub. And mother would run that tub halfway full of water. She said, get in that tub and I better see dirt when you get out. And you better wash behind those ears. You hear me, son. You better wash behind those ears. I'm going to be checking them. But what my brother and I would do, he was smarter than I was because he was two and a half years older than me. And he'd go out in the yard and get a little dirt. (laughs) So help me. And we'd throw it in that tub and I'd get out real quick and dry off because I wanted to get back outside. But mother was smarter than two boys. She'd say, that's not Rex's dirt that's not your dirt Eddie that's dirt from the outside get back in that tub she'd drain that water we'd get back in that tub and she'd come in there and scrub us she'd scrub the fire out of us she'd make us red all over because you don't put somebody else's dirt in your water you hear me amen everybody say I got enough dirt myself I don't need somebody else that's in my water. Here's my identity. When I came out of the waters of baptism, I was adopted. He said, you're my son. I call you my son. And when I came out of the waters, he made me a king in this world. I became a king. I went down a sinner. I came up crowned. It's like a little boy that had the birthday party. A couple of years ago, and he's about five years old, and his mama said, "What do you want everybody to be at the birthday party? He said, Mama, I want everybody to be a king or a queen when they come. I want everybody to have a crown, and I want everybody to have a robe on. And so they made robes out of pillowcases, and they made little crowns out of of cardboard and, and glittered them up. And everybody got a crown, and every little girl got a crown, and everybody got a pillowcase around them. And they were kings and queens for the day. And so when it was all over, the little boy was happy. And the mom said, what do you want now, son? Did you enjoy today? He said, oh, mom, I enjoyed it so much. She said, is there anything else I could do for you? He said, mom, there's one thing I wished I could tell you. I wish, mom, that we could be kings and queens forever, not just for now. And the mother looked at him and said, son, we're a Christian family. And we are kings forever. And we are queens forever. And that's what it's all about. I'm here to tell you something. When you come out of the waters of baptism, the things that used to stump you, now you're going to walk right by and say, no, no, no. Ah, Hallelujah. They tell me that Martin Luther, Martin Luther, when he put the 95 placards on the Catholic door, and he put it simply this way, the just shall live by faith. When he put those placards on the door, It is said that many times he was so despondent because he could not get any traction and he was wondering if it was going to ever work, that this faith in God was going to work and not faith in man. And he said, he would say to himself many times, I am baptized. I am baptized. I am baptized and he said I would come out of my doubt, come out of my fear and rejoice again because I knew I was adopted and I was a king with almighty God. Amen. Amen. No, 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 no. It's not just an action. It's not just a works. When you come out, he said, you're my son and I love you and I'm going to put a crown on you and you can live that life the rest of your days. Clap your hands and rejoice. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. I'm going over, I think. I think I've held y'all too long. I I, I married some people here on uh, Friday. This is so cool. I'm closing. This is so cool. Randy, come up here, because I'm going to prove it. I'm going to (laughs) close. I love you guys so much. I, uh, I married a couple. I remarried them. They eloped to the J.P., 50 years ago, 1966, August 24th, they eloped, and they had been living under elopement, or whatever you call it, and they wanted the pastor to bless them. The father hadn't been coming to church. His wife was here when I got here. She's one of the original members that I inherited 26 years ago. It was an awesome thing. I, I, re- I redid their vows, and they cried. It was sweet. 50 years. It was also his birthday. And so he had told me, he said, Pastor, I want to to surprise my wife. I said, okay, so what? He said, I'm going to let you baptize me on that Friday. Well, I got to crying. (laughs) I mean, this guy, I mean, he's 70 years old, folks. And I'm thinking, wow, wow. And he started crying. He said, Pastor, it's time. It's just time for me to get baptized. I said, okay, man, we'll do it. So when I got through, I said, Alita... We have a prize for you, a gift. She said, oh, really? Really? I said, yeah. I said, Alita, I'm fixing to baptize Brother John in the water. Now, to some of you, it don't matter, but Alita was, she's a throwback, okay? And she went, I took him I took him in the waters and I baptized him and when he came up he had the biggest grin on his face and he looked at me you know people say all kinds of crazy stuff when they come out of the water and he looked at me and he said you're my godfather said in the movie all them got killed (laughs) I know I said is that a Catholic thing he said yeah I said and you're my son my godson and I hugged and I got wet and I want y'all to know I'm a godfather today to a 70 year old man but I told him I said John no no it's not about me buddy I said, you have a father that loved you enough that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And that's the gospel. I said, John, you've been adopted today. You've been crowned today. That's a great thing. I close for the second time. Well, <laughs> I feel the presence of God here today. Forgive me. Wow. I read a, I read a story about a couple that was snow snowbound in a in a car in Colorado. They was headed to a particular city and they got snowbound, so they pulled over just to wait for the snow to kind of stop. It was so blowing so hard and fast that the car got covered up during the night they realized they couldn't move the car they couldn't get out they got stuck and so they ran the car and used the heater as long as they could and finally it went away and they started getting cold they knew the car covered up they knew that they were probably going to die and the wife wrote a note this is not the way I wanted to die and put it in the dash put it in the glove compartment and when they found them they found the note but what What they should have realized was that just 10 feet away was a festive bus full of all kinds of tourists on their way to the same city. And all they had to do was open their doors and get out and get in that bus and be warm and wait the storm out and go to the city with the people in the bus. Hell was having a meeting one day and Lucifer asked his demons... How can we stop this Christianity from growing? And so one said, why don't we just tell them there's no heaven? He said, that won't work. So we need to tell them that there's no hell. And he said, that won't work either. And the other need to say it, said, said, well, we need to tell them there's no hurry. And hell said, that'll work. And I'm not trying to convert everybody in the building today, but I'd like to tell you that there's no sense to die in a car froze to death on the side of the road when there's a bus coming by going to the city you're trying to get to and we're going to make it to that city there's no reason for you to die in the snow there's no reason you ought to get out of that car and join the bus and come with us we're going somewhere together amen would you stand you're awesome people would you bow your head and close your eyes just for a moment just for a moment, just for a moment. I want our prayer partners to come down quickly and your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed and I wonder, we're about to dismiss the congregation, but I wonder if there's anybody who would slip your hand in the air and say, Pastor, I need the Lord in my life. Would you just raise your hand all over the house? Would you raise your hand? I need something from God in my life. I need something. Would you raise your hand? Would you raise your hand right now? I need the Lord. Maybe it's not salvation. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's healing. But I need something from God in my life. I just need something. Lift your hand up. Let me see it. Let me see it. Let me see it. Okay, put them down. Now, as quick as you've raised them, I want you to make your way to the front right now. Come on quickly. Come on quickly. Let the people that are praying pray for you and when you get here and start being prayed for we're going to pray with you just a moment then we're going to dismiss the congregation come on, here they come all over the building come on, make your way, just make your way give them all a hand folks, give them all a hand make your way down here, make your way down here come on, come on right now, make your way come on, come on right now, make your way down here come on, come on, come on and now you that are in the audience would you throw your hands in the air like this right here with Pastor and let me bless you in the name of the Lord dear Father in the name of Jesus I bless you today. I praise you today. I honor you today. And I thank you for this time and for your presence and for your goodness. And I honor everything you are to us. Thank you for the joy. Thank you for the joy of this journey. Thank you for the peace that passes understanding. God, smile on this congregation. Bless this congregation. And that concludes today's message.